You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, welcome to Thesis on Joan. I'm Megan, she, her. I'm Holly, they, them. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join fan queers and theater professionals, me and Holly, as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folk. From Brooklyn cabaret performers to people backstage and on Broadway. For many queers, theater has been an escape. This podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while clearing the canon along the way. Today we're sitting down with Ty Defoe. Just a heads up that Ty is outside for this recording, so you might hear some ambient bird noises, but it all just adds to the environment of the interview. Enjoy. Taidafo Gijik Oneida in Ojibwe Nations is a writer and interdisciplinary artist and Grammy Award winner. Tai aspires to be an interweaving approach to artistic projects with social justice, indigeneity, indigenous queering, and environmentalism. Tai's global cultural arts highlights the Millennium Celebration in Cairo, Egypt, Ankara, Turkey, International Music Festival, and Festival of World Cultures in Dubai. Awards include First American in the Arts, Global Indigenous Heritage Festival Award, a Robert Rochenberg Artist in Residence, and Jonathan Larson Award. Works created include River of Stone, Red Pine, The Way They Lived, A G-Jack on Turtle Island, and Hear Me Say My Name. Ty is an art equity facilitator, co-founder of Indigenous Direction with Larissa Fasthorse, member of All My Relations Collective, and currently part of the Devise Theater Working Group at The Public, building Gijiba Gijik, Revolving Sky at Under the Radar's Incoming. Publications include Casting a Movement, Pick and Review, Thorny Locust Magazine, HowlRound, and Rutledge Press. Degrees from CalArts, Goddard College, and NYU Tisch. The Movement Direction of Mother Road, Manhattan, and Choreography for Tracy Letts, The Minutes on Broadway. He appeared on the Netflix show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and made his Broadway debut in Young Jean Lee's Straight White Men. He lives in New York City and loves the color clear. Welcome, Ty. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. What an introduction. That was so great. <laughs> so Ty, when we start the podcast, we always ask our guests to uh, just share their name, their pronouns, and anything else that you would like to share with the guests, uh, with the listeners about how you identify. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, boujou, ninj, Thai indigenous cause, waswagaren, and doing jaba, 
Magiza, Nindo, Dem, and also shout out to the Wabanung, Zhaolong, Naga, Binung, Manoki, Wedanung. Um, hello, friends. Ty here. My pronouns are he, him, his, or we, or just Ty. And I'm from the Oneida and the Ojibwe nations and of the great uh, Eagle Clan or Turtle Clan. And I identify as being two-spirit or an indigiqueer individual. So you use the term indigiqueer uh, in describing your shows and in your work. Can you talk about what that term means to you and how you use it to create theater? Well, big questions, Holly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like... You know, indigiqueer is a fairly um, new term that folks are using. And to me, you know, how I interpret indigiqueerness of how I'm moving and seeing in my worldview of the world is that I'm utilizing indigiqueerness, being an indigenous person and taking a contemporary role in evolving the nature of two-spirit identity. Two-spirit identity, I'll start there with saying that I think that, you know, for me, two-spirit identity is the idea about transcending gender, that there is a structure that was in place long before colonization came, a structure that is breaking out of any kind of type of binary that involves both uh, the spirit and the soul and the taking the entire person into account. So how this relates to being indigiqueer, I think, is the contemporary version of that. So it's like an evolved term, I think. It's like that plus, like Disney plus, but not. <laughs> but in, in, Much in, better. Yes. Yeah, better than Disney plus. Yes. <laughs> but indigiqueer, you know, the idea, too, is about the land to me. It's taken into account, like, where you are, um, you know, uh, the indigiqueer part is saying that this uh, indigiqueer, like I can't separate out my queerness from my indigeneity. And then I think that will evolve into the future. So that's sort of how I'm using the term these days. And I think, you know, we have languages and translations for it. In the Anishinaabe language, we say Nishmanitowag, right? And so I guess the translation of that would be two-spirit. But to me, it involves uh, indigiqueerness, being close to the land, being a steward of the land, and taking account all living things or all sentient beings, two-legged, four-legged, winged, and rooted, and knowing that we are even still, as indigiqueer individuals, that I, myself, must also decentralize myself to know that I'm all part of creation. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. How do you find safe or brave space in the theater community, which is based in such colonialized systems and ideas? Yeah, I think um, how I find, you know, I think like as a queer individual or a niche monitor, two-spirit, digi-queer person, um, making this kind of art, it's like a constant dance. It's almost like finding balance, right? You're always toggling between both safety and, and bravery. At the same time, depending on the concentric circles in which you find yourself making art, the process of it and creating it. So um, I definitely utilize the great design of the circle in terms of finding folks who are both my you know, allies and accomplices um, to assist me in places where I feel like I might be unsafe, right? And then also at the same time, I um, you know, am very brave in spaces depending on how I'm showing up that day. You know, the, my perceived identity by others 
and where I'm feeling really good that day, where can I use my personal power to dismantle these colonial structures that are in place to sort of um, wield and guide the power for others. And I, I think that's really important because I think that relates back to the term queerness, like wielding the power and seeing constructs that others might not be able to see um, that are existing in the theater world. Yeah, for sure. As an interdisciplinary hyphenated artist working as an activist, a writer, a cultural worker, and shapeshifter, has that made it harder for the theater world to understand and support the work that you do? You know, this is, that's a really good question, Holly, because I think that, um, you know, this term shapeshifting, people ask me, they're like, Ty, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? And, you know, it's often sought about between, uh, sort of almost like, right, we, we look up Wikipedia and we ask the sacred Google, we're like, what is this term shapeshifting? And it's, you know, going from <laughs> one thing to the other, transitioning from one thing to the next and moving seamlessly between a multiplicity of worlds that are existing. So I think, um, as in regards to that, I think that, um, you know, I have found it to be quite fluid in terms of moving in and out of various platforms. Um, I have this t-shirt that reads genre fluid, which I find, (laughs) you know, ironically funny in terms of talking about gender and gender identity. Right. Um, so oftentimes it provides me a great deal of power in, in the way that I get to, um, you know, I get to be a writer in one instant, or I get to be a movement director, a choreographer, or an actor sometimes, you know, so I feel like that has lent a hand in me beguiling work. But I think, um, you know, oftentimes too, I've had to really examine the power structures at play and think about not just the things that are quote unquote window dressing for others and really think about the system and the process and lean into process about creating just, just systems to create justice on stages. Mm-hmm. And with that kind of strategic nature, I feel like that has been really important to be a shapeshifter within those system and processes that are happening. So to find liberation for queer individuals, liberation for women and how folks are seen throughout um, all of these periods of time through a rehearsal process or periods of time during a show run. So I find it uh, extremely crucial. Oftentimes it does get very challenging because we're dealing with colonial structures of white supremacy where for 500 years having power, money, access, that's really hard to give up those things, right? Mm -hmm. So I find it, um, you know, oftentimes really leaning into language and vocabulary to change the language and to change systems about how we're viewing it. And that takes a great deal of strategic effort and not any different that old school organ organizers haven't done or, you know, folks on the ground at our pride centers or folks at these um, community organizing events haven't done, but it's just doing it in a different way. And I think the power that I have as an individual or an artist is to use the tool of art as a form of, um, you know, to create social impact, to create a platform, to raise awareness. And so I definitely have found like-minded collaborators to do that. And one you named, Jungjin Lee, right, got a chance to work with Kate Bornstein, who, you know, is a queer fairy mm-hmm. fucking grandmother to many queer individuals, <laughs> especially oh, <yeah. laughs> with uh, gender unicorns, you know. So 
Um, and that has been amazing. But these folks have been doing it for so long and have had it much a hard, challenging time. So I feel extremely grateful to be linking arms with people who have been doing that kind of work in the theater and in film and in the literary arts and in movement arts. So that's awesome. Can I ask a follow up question real quick? Absolutely. Uh, you said you, you were creating like systems for just, for justice on stage. Can you talk about like a specific example of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A system of justice on stage, I think uh, a great example is many um, folks out there on the Broadway have seen straight white men and, and have folks who haven't seen it, you know, <clears throat> what happens is that, you know, who is in the show? It's straight white men, right? It's straight white men, actors who are, you know, um, pronounced who are on this, um, this colonial structure of capitalism of when people pay for their ticket to come see this. But I think what's so exciting about working on that piece, um, specifically is working with the, our queer fairy, like godmother Kate and as well as, you know, uh, young Jean Lee that said, Hey, let's do something different. Let's not have that be the main meal, but let's think about, you know, how are we viewing and creating another system for people to see the frameworkings of how to dismantle a type of supremacy or colonialism. So what we created together as uh, collaborators is uh, dialogue is a uh, uh, embedded and embodied land acknowledgement by, you know, like the character that I was playing, which was person in charge for a specific mm-hmm. reason, person in charge <laughs> to the person maybe in the entire theater with the least amount of power and privileging myself to guide people in as queer folks to have a tendency to be the North star, the guiding stars that we are right to see all of the intersections happening, especially queer folks of color. And, um, you know, what we did in that instance is really talk about people's experiences as they were coming into the theater. What, what would they be seeing? What would they be doing? How do we explain what exactly is going on when they were coming to this seemingly, um, organized chaos when they were Mm -hmm. coming to see the show. So it was a lot of um, talking about small, a multiplicity of um, violent things that actually happen when you go to the theater if you're a queer person of color and undoing them, utilizing the art to flip the script and to serve people some just truth on that stage. It was so amazing to go and see that performance and and have you and the other person in charge kate was out when i saw it unfortunately but uh like in amongst the audience members and like talking to folks and like you don't really anticipate that at a broadway show for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. oh absolutely yeah that was um you may have seen uh t.l thompson yeah a phenomenal uh black queer actor just a good friend too that's awesome and I was just Thank going to lament that I did not, that I only saw it at the public and I did not get to, cause I feel like it would have been a completely different experience. Yeah. Well, I miss you too. And it just frames it different. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure. But that's the power of it, right? The idea about individuals and especially what I think is fascinating is like queer individuals. Like they, like when we think about queerness, it's like, what? Like the sky is the limit. It is infinite it's there are so many possibilities and i think that's one of the most powerful things 
So Ajija Kantorno Island, which you wrote, co-directed, and performed in, included these incredible puppets with Heather Henson and her company Ibex Puppetry. What kind of collaborations like that do you want to continue creating? Oh my gosh, yes. That show was just um a labor of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> um, what was so fascinating about it, an interesting point that I'll mention here is that there was a large um, component of two-spirit and digi-queer people involved in the creation of that show that sort of at every uh, intersection between song, puppetry, dance, uh, the construction, the j- drapery, um, the composition of music, there was a queer person. And I feel like that is, again, some of like helming some of these projects. One of the like most beautiful things that I get to operate in terms of being in brave spaces is hiring, is collaborating, is being in communion with queer people and how folks identify. So, you know, that is like a major shout out to all those people and their intellectual and cultural property that contribute to the show and also entrusting me with work, the work that um, would be put out there and messages that would be given to the community. So that was, that was wonderful. We had so many talking circles and, you know, queer dance parties as you do, um, between rehearsals. Um, I, I will not go and say without, um, it was challenging in moments because, you know, when you are outside of your affinity group spaces, allowing space for other people and then really noticing how much space folks take up. Right. So we have to have those conversations on top of it. But again, it's about impact. It's about working with community. It's going back to that sacred design of the circle of inclusion, everyone in the circle equally, which is, um, you know, it's, it's slow moving, but it keeps moving. So as it relates to this Ajijek on Turtle Island, um, I'd love to make more projects like that. And I'm really um, all about trying to uh, move in a way with people who have a kin vision towards uh, justice, towards the arc of justice, even if it is slow moving, also towards a a type of quality of work that I feel is, um, you know, important as it relates to messages that need to be shared with the world, such as giving, right, like queer people of color voices to hear stories and to um, create reparations with those stories. Because when I, my worldview and perspective of, you know, indigenous queer voices, it's just like, I'm like, man, the world needs to see this and hear this because it is so beautiful if people took some moments to listen. I mean, there is so much to be gained and to be gleaned that these stories are so powerful metaphorically and can really influence folks to towards peace and towards balance and towards equality. That's amazing. And can I ask a follow-up question to something you said? Oh, yeah. Um, so could you talk a little bit more about, I, I think like this is a new conversation people are having about this balance, like speaking about bringing everyone in and kind of creating this, this circle and community when you're working on a project, but also the importance of, Allowing space, um, but also the kind of the dangers of taking up too much space and how that comes into your collaboration process. Yeah, I was thinking about this, this term that folks are using these days called transparency, right? And we hear this word often and people are like, well, what does that mean? When do we have to tr- be transparent? And it's thrown around like, uh, 
don't know, like spaghetti in the kitchen or something and people throw it <laughs> against the wall and see if it sticks or not. But in truly like thinking about the root of the word transparency, I guess it's I'm thinking about the um, hear about truth and like leading with truth, which is um, really important. And I think like, you know, not everybody knows everything. When I go into a rehearsal process, I say not one person knows everything, but together we know a lot. People are like, what? I'm like, I'm going to say it again. Now, one person knows everything, but together we know a lot. And we take a couple seconds to think about that. And I think it's important because it's this idea about really listening to hear and to understand. But this, um, this idea too, with setting up a type of circle protocols, I think is important because oftentimes we don't know what we don't know, depending on who we are and our social identity and location, right? So I think like my job sometimes with stewarding spaces is to, um, unveil, right? Some kind of truth into spaces and to create more space for others who might not feel like they have enough space, but also steward a type of circle or community of people where we could build trust with each other. And how easy that sounds, but how hard it is. <laughs> so so I, I always lean more towards, um, you know, just being honest and open and, and truthful. And there are some folks that sometimes they have the willingness to do that, right? Like a lot of neoliberalists, right? They have the willingness and enthusiasm to do it. But the idea is that, um, you know, just to sort of reflecting back to others, sometimes maybe some space that they're taking up in a kind, loving, gentle way, all in service, all in service of the beloved community, all in service of justice, all in service of 500 years of genocide, all in service of Stonewall riots, all in service of the Queer Liberation March, right? All of those things are in the room at the same time. And when you bring those ancestors, whether they're queer ancestors or um, BIPOC ancestors or indigenous ancestors, um, that there's a type of truth that comes out when people begin to sit in a circle with each other and begin speaking. You know, so um, I think um, one practice that I use from art equity learned from Carmen Morgan is this idea about community protocol, right? About group agreements. What do we all agree to? How we come from many different places, many points of access and intersection. But what are we all agreeing to in this moment, right? Today, given all the past histories, and maybe a protest or rally or a killing or a shooting that happened last week or an attack. How are we going to move forward together in this moment? And oftentimes it takes time to do that. So what I'd like to do again in process is to create time around these type of parameters um, to create a type of um, movement or motion. And oftentimes that can be very frustrating. But I think uh, in the end, um, it becomes extremely important. Um, so... Going back to process, it's all in the preparation. It's in preparing for those things, and sometimes you can't prepare for everything. So again, even going back to our initial question, it's inviting people into that circle that can also um, have the same kind of heart cry, the soul connection, you know, oftentimes your peeps, right, in community to build that circle together. So when that happens, 
we will be prepared as possible to dismantle a type of power imbalance that could happen and exist. Thank you. Uh, that's like, I need to go back and like bookmark many of the things you just said <laughs> as we're like building community in circles. That's, that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back to uh, your work, we wanted to ask about your show Crane on Earth and Sky uh, that you had in Kearney, Nebraska, which I've weirdly been to only for like 15 minutes. I went to a, a Cabela's there, so probably not the best Kearney experience. Um, but <laughs> could you speak a little bit more about, uh, uh, where you like your work presented and why you specifically chose Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska is, if you look once again to the sacred Google or grandfather Google and you look up and you pull <laughs> back from Google Earth, you will see Turtle Island, right? The back of a turtle. It is the great continent of um, North and South America coming together, a borderless place that looks like the head of the turtle on top in the north, Two hands and a tail going all the way down to Mexico there, right? So a lot of, um, you know, my worldview and perspective evolves um, around this great story of Turtle Island. And one day when we have enough time, we'll tell that story. However, for the purposes of today and this podcast, um, in mm-hmm. thinking about that, I was thinking about, like, um, the reason why you need to map this out visually is because, like, Nebraska is it directly in the center of that turtle shell, right? It's, like, directly in the center. And what I find to be so fascinating is that um, Crane, or a G-Jack, right, lands in this place as a, a stopping point to refuel, to replenish, and it's directly in the center of this turtle's back, right, from our great creation story. And if you've been there, most people go not to the Cabela's, Megan, but yeah, people go <laughs> People go because of the great crane festival that's there and great um, crane watching, um, either for sandhill cranes or whooping cranes. So we thought it would be a really great, um, you know, point of intersection to create and talk about, uh, you know, like living and evolving life um, with the local community, um, to talk about uh, to talk about the crane and also to uplift and amplify indigenous people and voices and to reinvigorate these this idea about a lot of our creation stories and myths to folks. When I go into small communities, oftentimes people are like, "Well, where you know where are all the indigenous people? Where are the native people of this area?" And I'm like, "Well, have you looked down the block?" Have you thought to your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. This whole idea that we um, oftentimes are seen as extinct or uh, or not there or only in history books or the museums, and which we know definitely is not true with a rapid growing movement of, you know, um, indigenous folks, especially with everybody sort of taking gander at the uh, standing rock and the pipeline that's going through, you know, this area of middle of Turtle Island. So, you know, so... That's why, that is exactly why Nebraska, because it is a point of intersection in my eyes, and also it's uh, in living proof in this science and sacred knowledge meeting that the crane, it's, it stops there. These cranes, these birds are seen as special entities and often translate to the voice of the people, right? And so we thought it would be really great to connect community to create an impactful um a sustainable event, an inauguration, a milestone, so that people can think about um, a show or piece of art that's there long into the future or influence some youth long into the future. And we all know with, uh, you know, with Native folks and art, creation of art, 
that they think about the seven generations ahead, right? You do something, you're doing it for seven generations ahead. So that's not just for the moment, not just for tomorrow, not just for next week, but seven generations. That's a long AF time, right? <laughs> so, so shows, art making becomes points of milestones, like a stone in the river, right? It's a stepping stone towards justice, towards peace, towards that balance once again. Yeah, that makes sense why environmentalism is such a huge part of your work, thinking about seven generations ahead. Right? It's like, it's so, so true. I mean, you know, like thinking about that, I think about like, what? well, what is queerness seven generations ahead? That's a big thing, especially, you know, when you think about, can you imagine? Like, It's going to be beautiful. Even in like (laughs) 10 years, it's been so different. Yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) Right? Just like bathrooms changing in terms of like you know getting new language on lots of bathrooms around the entire country and around the world i mean that is so new but you know it's for some folks they've been thinking about that for years and years to come but we get to be the receivers of that i'm like how freaking cool is that that's it's amazing yeah Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumba casino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So you are an incredible hoop dancer. And if folks haven't seen that, I definitely recommend looking at the videos. It's amazing. Can you speak more about the symbol of the hoop and how that informs your work? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was definitely one of these rambunctious children running around mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and so that for me actually saved my life. It, um, you know, I grew up in a small reservation, like in a subsistence community, and there was not a lot to do there, a lot, a lot going on. Um, you know, and so I was gifted this hoop and I was like, what am I going to do with this hoop? There was nothing to do. So I, I would just uh, practice with one hoop and every year I added on another hoop and another hoop and another hoop and worked my way up to about 28 hoops. And um, this dance has become a very important signifier in my life because it represents, um, you know, the, the constant toggle about finding balance and peace, right? It's like... Um, it, for me, it's a symbol that not everything is perfect. Everything is in constant motion, constant evolution. And I feel and adapt some of these philosophies to queerness, right? It's a constant evolution to be queer. It's a constant evolution to be queer. And so this dance in my life has reminded me of that. And in terms of your earlier question about being safe, it has been my safety it has been my nest and a constant reminder in a world that says 
you, you shouldn't be here. You can't be here. I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I can. You better move over and watch out, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. realizing that, like, not everybody has these specific tools. So I make it my duty and service and responsibility as an indigenous queer person to provide this same kind of safety and bravery for other queer people when I enter spaces, especially the youth, because they are going to be, you know, the next indigenous queer elders into the future, which is extremely important. That's awesome. So our next question is about uh, Indigenous Direction, which you're the co-founder of. Could you tell us a little bit more of about the mission of the organization and where folks can see the results of that work? Yeah, yeah. This is um, or, an organization that I co-founded with uh, sister friend Larissa Fastworth. And it's if they go online, it's just like indigenousdirection.com. And we have like a bunch of resources on there, um, you know, and it's a way it's like I feel like, you know, operating through identity and with identity and embodying it. This is a form of um, a practice to interface with the institutional supremacy that exists in these power dynamics and structures. So indigenous direction is doing a yes and it's both making and creating art and it's also assisting allies and accomplices that are really interested also in amplifying the indigenous voice. So um, our mission and statement is on the website. It's working with by and for um, to amplify uh, native indigenous people. Yes, you got to check it out. It's really great. We work with various organizations that are open to um, you know, decolonizing a lot of their work, the systems and practices. And um, also we talk often a lot about um, indigeneity and what that means and how to implement some of those, you know, practices into whether it's art making, whether it's, um, you know, it could, it could be anything. So we do that across the board, but you'll see on there a lot of the resources and hopefully it'll be helpful for people. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then your work with Art Equity is training this new generation of facilitators focused on equity and inclusion, and that includes everyone from arts leaders, practitioners, educators, advocates, board members, and funders. And can you talk about your work there? Oh, yes. Let's see. <laughs> Where to even begin? I feel like, you know, this true form of it's, I, I feel like a sponge, like I've learned so much from being a part of Art Equity, um, you know, in terms of... Um, both giving and receiving and understanding about my worldview and how I am working as an indigenous queer individual because it's given me the opportunity to really understand this idea of language and vocabulary and to know that the things that I am saying and speaking actually, one, yes, are true. And two, um, it's allowed me to connect with other people of other cultures, of other races, of other ethnicities, of other you know, sexual orientations and genders and, and accessible needs. Like it's really, um, taking this circle to a whole new level with really understanding the invisible structures that are existing. And in terms of the facilitation part, it's given me a type of, um, I don't know, a type of foundation in this Western society that is operating a very specific way. So with a little dab of that, a little dab myself, mix it together. What do you get? A really delicious cake. 
<laughs> Good recipe. That's awesome. <laughs> I got to work a little bit with Carmen back in 2018, and uh, it was, she's just such an amazing human being. And it was, I felt so fortunate just to like get to pick her brain a bit. And I, I really want to do the facilitator training you do every summer. Yeah. Um, I was like planning on applying this year, and then it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. So uh, yeah. Man. I, I wish you could be year. there. I, I really want you to be part of it. It'd be so great to have you there. Yeah. You, you learn so much. It's like, you know, especially I feel like queer individuals because of the way that I have noticed queer folks show up into spaces, having the tools of facilitation is so important. And it also just, it's like not anything different that organizers are doing already, but it's just an additive for support for healing um, and for resisting, which I think is, you can always use more of that. Yeah. It was interesting. Cause I, I first like, didn't think that training was for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm not a facilitator. I don't really like, you know, leading groups of people or talking in front of people. But after talking to Carmen, you know, she's really like, this is for everybody. And, you know, if you are working and if you have relationship with any people, like this is good for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like that whole thing, right? It's like a, not a one size fits all. It's kind of like, wow, you mean a place where I can be an individual and just show up how you are? Like, that's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we get into the last couple of sections of our uh, discussion, we just wanted to see if there was any upcoming projects uh, we should be on the lookout for or anything you would like the listeners to know about. Oh my gosh, absolutely, yes. Well, I am in a collective um, called All My Relations. And if people check it out, it's um, allmyrelations.earth. And it's, um, you can, it's, it's such a great, um, place with resources but yes as also art making and in the collective you know we we talk about accountability we talk about you know like decolonizing and indigenizing which is terrific but also in that same instance of the project that we're working on now is um which is revolving sky and the whole uh, we had one run at incoming at the under the radar during the public but we're developing it we also are looking for developing partners as well as um an indigenous uh following and queer following of people because what we are talking about is the stars and a star has fallen out of the sky and their name is Junyas, and they are in Digiqueer, and they are trying to find their way back home. <laughs> and that is the story and genesis of, of the project of this character. So it's filled with puppetry. There's also an installation piece about um, a star app talking about the stars, but truly it is um, talking about how each individual, especially queer individuals and folks living on the margins, are like finding and looking and celebrating sense of home and what that means, utilizing the stars as a metaphor. So it's taking the stars that we know today, such as like the guy catalog, and sort of looking at it from an Anishinaabe standpoint, you know, the Anishinaabe star lore, the Anishinaabe stories that are mapped into the sky, like the, the Fisher story, or, you know, also as like a little dipper or the loon story. And it's, um, you know, sort of shifting the sky, if you will, and evolving the sky so that we as individuals can see all these like beautiful, wonderful points and celebrate together. And so we are actually looking for folks too who want to participate and record a star story 
because we think through this piece, it'll invoke people to tell their stories, either through blood memory, to archive something they've always wanted, um, you know, too. So if you all want to be a part of it, we'd love to have you. And um, we hope that folks will follow along and join the journey of Gisha Bagishik. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely need to share the link and, and check it out. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see it one day. Oh too. my gosh. Yeah. We <laughs> hopefully soon. We, we did this like brick residency at the brick media arts lab in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and um, we had to adapt and it was right during COVID. And so we did it just like, just like over the internet, we did a little piece of it and got some folks to tune in and listen. But um, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, queerness is a great thing to talk about. Great thing to, you know, dive into as an art form. Definitely. That's why we wanted to do this podcast. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I so, love it. Look, yeah. look at his hair. Look at my hair. <laughs> it looks great. It's looking good. We were it's just like, talking about our COVID hair before you got on. Yeah, yeah. it's like COVID hair. Not do doing do well. How do you do that on a podcast? COVID <laughs> hair. Queer po- COVID hair podcast or something. <laughs> So every episode we do a section called Queering the Canon, uh, where we look at queering, you know, older versions of theater. And there are so many problematic representations of indigenous people in the theater canon. And is there one that you would particularly want to correct and queer or just get rid of? Ooh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So many, but like at the top of my list, you know, like a small ass, but can we please get rid of and or queer is like Peter Pan. Yeah. Like yeah. why? Why? Someone's like, this is a classic. You can't get rid of. I'm like, whose classic is this? Is it my classic? Get out of here. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, either get rid of or severely queer the AF out of it. It just needs yeah. to happen. <laughs> but you know, my worldview is like everything is pretty queer. I was talking about that earlier today. I'm like, I literally think everything is queer and told until I'm told differently. <laughs> so what Same. do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would you queer Peter Pan? Like which characters would you especially want to make queer? Oh my gosh. Well, definitely like Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> it already is. Right. He's like, such a daddy. I mean, they just all are. You know? like, Such a what? daddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like, wait, what's happening here? I mean, you know, Tinker, wait, look, we got Tinkerbell, you got Wendy, like all, all of them. You know? Everyone can be queer. It yeah. just, it just happens. <laughs> Actually, I think they tried to do it already with, you know, some of the originals in it. So it could be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if like having, Peter Pan, like traditionally played by a, a cis woman, is like people's perception of queering it. But then it also makes like the relationship between Peter and Hook like a lot more heteronormative. When it feels like there's definitely a lot oh, of sexual tension true. there, right? Yeah, right, right. So true, so true. Uh, wow. <laughs> there's a lot to dig into. There's a lot. It sounds like another. We need to do another podcast or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just queering Peter Pan. Queering Peter Pan. Um, this is the part where we ask our listeners to please send us their queering the canon recommendations, especially any problematic ones they would like to throw away or change completely. <laughs> so they can email us at thesisonjoan at gmail.com or we have a voicemail. Ty, if you ever want to leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251. 
Oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to leave you a voicemail. <laughs> what? Okay, another section we have is the queer culture recommendation. So outside of theater, what is your queer culture indulgence? Oh, what is my... I know it's... I, I, You know, I saw that question that I think you like wrote to me and I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, like, I'm like, wow, I've been reading a lot of graphic novels lately. And I'm like, I kind of think that's queer already. So yeah. like, how would, you know, so I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's that. Are there any that you particularly recommend or that you've yeah. loved? Yeah. I, by Ebony Flowers, there's a, a novel called Hot Cone that I've been reading, which has been really terrific and sweet and wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. It's so I good. Know that oh yeah, my I, gosh. You must, you must. <laughs> I've been so pleasantly surprised that the New York Public Library has a lot of graphic novels available. Uh, and especially when I used to work there, I just used to get a bunch of them delivered right to my office at the time. <laughs> and uh, it was so nice and free. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, well, thank awesome. you so much. And then the, oh, there's one more. Oh, one more. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> um, the queer give shout out. So you, you gave us some ideas. So American Indian yeah. Community House, the Two-Spirit Indigiqueer Programming, and also Brooklyn Pride Center. So if you want to tell us a little bit more about all or a couple of those places, uh, yeah. we're happy to shout them all out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Well, the um, American Indian Community House is a a 501c3 nonprofit and right now housed in uh, New York's Chinatown, which is, you know, uniquely placed and everything. And they share space with uh, Project Reach right now. But the American Indian Community House is like one of the oldest um, native uh, establishments that happened during like the late 60s when there were federal building takeovers and um, you know it was really fascinating because at a time it was a safe haven a safe nest for you know two-spirit individuals especially during the 80s right um, mm-hmm. for lots of gay identifying male presenting folks in New York City and then um, time had passed and because of funding resources and things like that um and, and various other horrifying atrocities as it relates to what has happened with people like dying in the 80s, right? In the 90s, there wasn't so many much resources there for programming and then it got programmed back. So what am I trying to say here, folks? What I'm trying to say is that there has been since COVID, as well as, you know, galvanizing up to COVID, a resurgence of two-spirit individuals um, with programming that has happened. And I also want to invite people to come to Two-Spirit and DigiQueer Bingo on Fridays. That happens at 7 p.m., where every week we have a guest caller. So, you know, I was like, can bingo be queer? Yes, it can. Can it be indigiqueer? Yes, it can. And everyone <laughs> is welcome to that. And we have some really awesome swag that we put together. If folks would like to come and show up, please go to the uh, Facebook page and just, you know, you get the Zoom link and show up and it's 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 there and it's it's terrific. It's wonderful. It's with community. It's with elders as well as like young folks too. So it's an intergenerational uh, queer space. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. And did you want to share any more about the Brooklyn Pride Center? Yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, the Brooklyn Pride Center, 
love the people that work there and the programming and stuff like that, you know, because of COVID, things have gone online. And right now, so if you, there's a lots of resources and counseling and services for folks if you wanted to stop in, free food pantry as well. So check it out. It's also online. And they, like, update constantly about when they're open or if folks want to stop in. So we're going to be doing some programming with them through the All My Relations Collective and um, folks that I'm working with there, which is terrific. So check it out, the, the Brooklyn Pride Center. And I also want to shout out, can I do one more shout out? Yeah, yeah, of course. To the health service workers at Cal and Lord. Yes. We love Definitely. that. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I went in there for my checkup. So if folks haven't gone to the doctor. It's, you know, it's free. You just get to get checked up. And I love the nurses that work there. I love my doctor. I love the people that work in the pharmacy. I love the people that take your appointment. I'm like, they have been working since COVID hit and they've seen everything. They've been on emergency duty and help. And I mean, what queer health professionals? Like that is revolutionary. So I'm giving a shout out to Cal Nord. They have really great mental health services too. Uh, yep. That are also free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love well, thank it. you so much for talking with us today, Ty. Oh my gosh. Thank you both for having me. I- I'm just like excited to really think about like queering things and calling back and leaving a voicemail random. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Can't wait. <laughs> That'll be <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> if you have another show, you're like, Oh, I definitely want to queer this one. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh, Definitely. and how can our listeners follow you online? Oh, yeah. oh right. So um, listeners can follow me at tiedefoe.com, on Facebook at tiedefoe, or on Instagram, tiedefoe, or on Twitter at tiedefoe. So it's just T-Y-D-E-F-O-E. And I'm looking forward to like meeting new folks on the socials and things like that because I see like it's important to stay connected and Drop a line. Let me know what's up, everyone. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you like, please rate and review us and share us with your friends. Come back for more interviews, fun queer content, recommendations, and eventually discussions on current theater. We are so excited to hear your queer culture recommendations or any of your ideas on how we could queer the canon. You can call us, yes, actually call us, and leave us a voicemail at 845 Four four five nine two five one, or send us an email at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thesisonjoan. Until next time, keep it queer. Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. <laughs>
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.